Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Ship It and Sip It. And today I am very glad to have a guest joining us from Vienna, Austria, Lucas Rieder. And he works with Greca, which is a platform that connects founders with the right investors for their startup. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about problems founders face with raising the right funding from the right investors, how Greca works to solve these problems for both VC funds and startup founders, how AI is improving this matchmaking process, and what effect the current market downturn has on startup fundraising in Europe and perhaps in the broader global market. Lucas, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Great. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, actually, I'm just back from a two weeks uh, holiday, so I'm really relaxed and yeah, good to be back. Yeah, it's classic holiday season in Europe. Mm. Uh, as an American, it, it always kind of strikes me as funny and, and good that uh, <laughs> so many people are out of office this time of year. But I'm glad you had a great holiday and I'm glad you're here to talk about Greca and startups and fundraising. So let's start with Greca. Um, what are the main problems it solves and who's it for? Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe I can give you a little bit of background uh, on Greca. And uh, yeah, we do know a lot uh, about the problems uh, startups uh, are facing in this whole fundraising process because we are a carve out of a former uh, consulting company, Austrian consulting company called M27 Finance. Uh, M27 Finance was for over five years one of the leading advisors in business and project financing. Yeah, and we were very close to the startups and knew a lot about uh, their pains that this whole fundraising process is very time intense and efficient. And you, of course, also need a big network uh, of it. Actually, it was not only the problems of the startups, it was also our problems. Uh, I mean, we supported the companies in this process and we also spent uh, a lot of hours on calling investors, on reaching out to our network to find them uh, an investor. And yeah, uh, this is why we established Greca. In uh, 2018, we got acquired by a bigger Spanish consulting group. And with the financials of this consulting group, uh, it's the Inspiralia group. Uh, they're a big uh, yeah, innovation consultant with uh, offices also in Miami, in Madrid, uh, and in Cambridge. And with the financial muscles of this Inspiralia group, uh, we decided uh, to develop uh, a toolset to digitalize our processes. And we invented Greca, which stands for Growth, Equity, and Commercial Alliances, and which helps startups to get easier access to investors. It's kind of a marketplace to connect investors with companies and uh, startups. And uh, yeah, uh, the main functionality, the core functionality is a uh, matchmaking algorithm that ensures that they find the right investors. In addition, we do have many other tools online to create standardized documentation, to make uh, uh, documents, valuation reports, and so on uh, through the platform in order to increase also the transparency in this whole process. And we support this, of course, also with our consulting services, but we do have also online packages where the companies can just access Greca and access then also investors through Greca. Fantastic. And I guess through the 2010s and up till last year or just a couple months ago, actually, uh, it must have been a very busy time and a time of growth for Greca and the whole team. 
Um, I guess, can you reflect on that a little bit? Uh, what were some of the growing pains along the way for Greca? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, as you uh, may know, M27 Finance and our former company was very much focused only on the German-speaking region. We were only active in Germany, Austria and Switzerland. And yeah, with the acquisition of Inspiralia, uh, this whole thing became an uh, international focus. And we really had to build and uh, integrate uh, an international uh, business partner, advisor and startup network into Greca. And this was for sure uh, a big challenge, uh, but also a very uh, interesting challenge to uh, meet people of different cultures, to meet startups of different cultures and yeah, to integrate them all into Greca. And speaking of meeting people, I want to take a moment here and thank my colleague, Constantine, for uh, reaching out to you and meeting you at Hub Berlin uh, just a little bit ago. And hopefully uh, more people will be able to meet up with your team in upcoming events. We'll get to that a little bit later. But let's talk about your journey a little bit. Uh, what was, how did you find your way to Greca and what really excites you about your role there on the team? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I do have a background in business administration, economics and finance. And I started at M27 over five years ago as a consultant. I was supporting uh, yeah, uh, projects in the public and private funding area, supporting with the preparation of business cases, financial models, valuations, pitch decks, but also writing grant applications because uh, we do have many grant programs here in Austria, but also European grant programs. And yeah, I got then promoted, uh, became a senior consultant, a project manager. And two years ago, I took over uh, the position as business development consultant at Greca. And uh, yeah, uh, what excites me most, uh, I think what excites me most is really that I get to meet uh, so many startups and they all pitch their business cases to me. So you uh, really stay up to date uh, about the trends and uh, about all the new developments, about all the technologies, because yeah, we are very much focused on innovative and technology oriented companies who really want to change the whole environment. Awesome. Uh, let's dig into that just a little bit. So what can you describe a little bit the pipeline for founders if they'd be interested in some in, in approaching Greca? Uh, how do you sort of source leads? Do you guys uh, have people apply via the website? Do you uh, have people reach out to you via social media, cold emails? How do you usually find these startups? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, we do have an online application form. So you can just visit our website and register in the platform. There are also some freemium tools available. The companies can provide all the uh, company information. They can perform a first uh, assessment report also for free. This gives them very valuable information on uh, the business and how to improve the business in order to become more attractive for investors. It's kind of an assessment based on five different methodologies. Uh, we speak here about uh, technology readiness level, uh, team readiness level, business readiness level, financial stability level, and market attractiveness level. And based on this criteria, the company is assessed and uh, gets some advice how to improve. And uh, based on this, then also a first matchmaking uh, can be prepared. 
Uh, as for our uh, pipeline, we work also very closely uh, with business partners. We do have a huge uh, business partner network all over Europe. We are very strong in the Nordics. There we have uh, yeah, people who do have uh, a good network within the startup environment or who are also consultants in this area. We do work with many grants, consultants and uh, so on have here business partners in Denmark and Iceland, uh, but also in Finland and Norway and uh, basically all over Europe, uh, France, the Netherlands up to Israel. And uh, of course, there's also uh, a very strong presence of the Inspiralia group. Uh, they do have offices in Madrid. So we also do have our people in Madrid and uh, even in Miami and Cambridge. And they introduce companies to Greca and uh, help us to uh, collect the information and uh, see if we find cases which we can support uh, with fundraising. Fantastic. And just in terms of the site I read there on Greca's site, in general, it's important to have a good business network in order to get new ideas and with a bit of luck to meet a suitable investor. So from that, I understand that is Greca's main goal to help founders who might not have that network that they need to get the investors that they want on board with their startup? Definitely. Reka can help a lot uh, in breaking down barriers and giving them access to such a network. Uh, but I think you can also use it complementary. We do have many clients. I mean, let's take the Nordics. They do have a great network in the Nordics, but they want to expand the business. Maybe they want also to start operations uh, in the German-speaking region and there they do not have a network and uh, they are searching for investors in this area to help them also build the company in this area, in this geographical area. And I think here also Greca can give them access to new contacts that could be interested in the business case. Cool. Um, at what stage do you think founders should... Uh, approach Greca? Should they wait until they've got an MVP launched and some traction? You mentioned the assessment report that you have. Is that something somebody can start pretty early? I think it always depends on uh, the sector, uh, but I think Greca is not the right partner if it's only a loose project or in a very early stage before uh, an MVP. Uh, because at this stage, I think uh, they should more focus on public money on grant applications or to receive funding of family and friends. Uh, and at the later stage, they can then search for external investors. Uh, this means we hardly do any pre-seed. We sometimes do seed rounds, bigger seed rounds, uh, but our sweet spot are really serious A, A-plus financing rounds. Okay, that's good to know. Um, you mentioned working a lot with pitch decks earlier in your career and helping startup teams, prepare them. Uh, that's one part, but can you expand a little bit on how founders should, in general, uh, prepare for the fundraising process? Maybe they're first time founders, they don't know what they're getting into. How can they improve their chances of raising the funds that they need at the time and mm -hmm. also raising them from the right investors for their stage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think founders really have to do the homework. I mean, uh, first of all, uh, they need really a good team, a convincing team uh, and also a good product uh, or technology with a high market potential. And then uh, it's about uh, getting the message across and really doing also a convincing uh, performance uh, in the pitches in front of investors. 
so that an investor really thinks, yeah, uh, I should I say, this guy is really nailing it. He knows what he's doing. And uh, in order that founders really create belief and at the later stage, they then also do have to back this, they have to back what they uh, tell in these pitches. Uh, but first of all, it's all about getting them interested, getting them interested into looking deeper into the business case and uh, approaching, of course, also the right people. Uh, because uh, this is also yeah, uh, a real pain for, for many investors, but also founders, that they uh, investors receive so many pitch decks uh, from all uh, around the world, from different uh, sectors while they do have a very strict investment policy or only uh, some sectors where they are really familiar with and uh, can accept the deal. And uh, here, founders really have to do uh, their homework uh, before asking for external money. Right. And I've heard that from or read that from founders that it, it, fundraising process just takes a lot longer than they expected or a lot longer than it may seem uh, until you try and do it yourself. So. Uh, let's talk about founders in Europe, I guess, since that's sort of your speciality. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges facing them right now? And maybe we could break it down by different stages if you want to be that specific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think there are different problems and uh, also in different uh, phases. I mean, uh, as mentioned before, First of all, it's about identifying the right investors and uh, getting them interested and approaching them. Uh, and you also do have to approach the right people within the fund, uh, especially if you uh, consider bigger institutional investors. It depends also a lot on uh, whom you speak to within the fund. And uh, here you have to approach the right people because otherwise you maybe get uh, back uh, a one-liner with a decline. Uh, without uh, a very relevant feedback and uh, it could still be an interesting opportunity uh, for this for this fund but this financial analyst of the fund did not get the message and uh, this is yeah, a big pain point for uh, many founders I think here Gregor can also help because when you uh, create uh, an investors long list and matchmaking through Gregor you always get them for the bigger funds uh, also uh, the right contact person for your uh, business model. I mean, if we take a bigger uh, investor, for instance, they do have different funds, one focused on healthcare, the other one focused on cybersecurity. And it's, of course, important that you approach uh, the right people within this fund. Then at the later stage, uh, it's about pitching. Uh, it's about uh, presenting the business case in a very structured way. Uh, and getting them, uh, again, interested to learn more uh, about this opportunity, but really covering the whole potential of the business case, but also, yeah, uh, still show a clear uh, structure in this pitch so uh, that they know that you do have a plan for the future of this business. And uh, afterwards, uh, it's about backing all this information. You do have to make... Uh, uh, after first meeting, often a product demonstration, or you have to back, of course, also the financials. You have to show that you do have these contracts and so on. Uh, and uh, therefore, it makes no sense to exaggerate in the pitch deck if you cannot back it at the later stage. And uh, this is also why many investors pass then uh, during the due diligence process, because when they look closer into it, uh, yeah, they see that there are weaknesses in the case. That's great advice. And, and 
very, very helpful and detailed for the founders that might be listening. I'd like to circle back and get your advice on the network uh, effect itself um, for maybe new founders who don't have a very strong network. How would you advise them to grow it? I mean, they're busy trying to grow the product, to grow the startup itself, and they also need to sort of improve their professional network to find these investors that they need. Um, do you have any advice for them? Is it events? Is it you know building in public on Twitter or on LinkedIn is very popular now? Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the high impact things that you would advise them to do? Yeah, I think events are for sure uh, a good option. And uh, I think this area improved also a lot uh, over the last years, also due to COVID, where we had many online events. But all these uh, startup events all over Europe, they're now also supported uh, with apps. So you can really organize your schedule for this event. You can check, uh, first of all, the participants. You can also use uh, in this event pages kind of a matchmaking. Uh, to meet the right people and uh, to make the optimum uh, use uh, of this event and of this money you spent into the event. Uh, furthermore, yeah, LinkedIn uh, is always helpful uh, to connect with people. Uh, but I think it's, yeah, it's also a side effect of this event that you get uh, to know the people. And uh, if you had an interesting conversation with someone, uh, that might be useful at a later stage. You can add them on LinkedIn and reach them also out to them at a later stage. Uh, but I think, yeah, personal meetings, uh, I mean, it was hard over the, the, the last years, but uh, this event uh, environment picked up again end of last year. I think we started uh, ourselves to go again to events in November, December last year. And I think it will continue and people really want to go outside. They do not want to do only online meetings. They do not want to uh, participate only at online events. Uh, they want to go outside, want to meet people. And it's still yeah, different. I mean, also during this, this, this pandemic, we had many uh, online events where you just met people uh, through a video call. But I think uh, yeah, it's different to meet them in person. I mean, you uh, get to know them better and uh, you uh, recall them also at the later stage easier than in this online online meetings. Definitely. And oddly enough, uh, there's been a lot of interest in, in founders coming to us at Parallact and interest in wanting to build new event-based products or platforms. Um, just very recently, in the last couple of weeks, we've had mm -hmm. a bunch so it seems like events are coming back and sometimes they're hybrid, sometimes they're in person, um, but it's uh, the best way to go and people love them, so mm -hmm. should be good. Uh, okay, let's talk about the founders that come to Greca. I can only assume that um, maybe they, get, they, they discover or they come to Greca after they've failed to reach the investments that they want on their own, via their own network. And they, they, they are frustrated with this and they need somebody like your team to help them. So what are these founders or what are their startups usually missing in these cases? Is it a problem of information or delivery uh, or a problem just with them not having a big enough network? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it depends also a little bit on the company phase. Uh, but of course, there are also many startups who are just not uh, able to present their idea, their 
products in a, in a proper way or in a way uh, how investors would like to hear it. And uh, here it's also about delivering a good pitch deck and uh, a good pitch structure. Uh, this is uh, the case with some startups, but if we are talking about uh, startups that already have succeeded in fundraising, that have raised first financing rounds, uh, also, these type of uh, startups often use Greca because this process is still very time intense. And it's also yeah, a question of outsourcing or looking for help with some activities. Because uh, how does this process typically work if you do it on your own? I mean, you do have your network. You can reach out to your people. Uh, let's say a startup has around uh, 100 uh, investors in its network. Uh, but they do not exactly know uh, in which type of companies they are interested. They just reach out to them, ask uh, if this could be interesting. Uh, then they can use uh, events or uh, pitching session, pitching events uh, to get more traction. Or they do the cold approach uh, through emailing, through creating lists on their own and then monitoring the steel flow. Uh, online and this is of course very time intense this is also what we uh, have done manually back uh, then when i was still working for m27 uh, and greca really helps to automatize this process so you can yeah fill in your data in the platform and then with the push of the button uh, you get the list of investors you can filter this according to your needs according to the investors types the geographic region uh, you're looking for and so on and then you can create a uh, long list and share with them uh, your profile and your uh, documentation and uh, monitor this deal flow also through Greca. And I think here uh, we really save a lot of uh, time and uh, yeah, help to make this process more uh, efficient. I think this is also something many uh, advisors are interested in and it's one of our aims for the future to also integrate more advisors in Greca so that they can use uh, this tool set, this tool set of Greca to serve their clients and become Great. more efficient. Super. Uh, you mentioned sort of the stages that uh, Greca works most commonly with a little bit earlier, but I wanted to outline if there are any kinds of startups or other stages that would not be a good fit for Greca's services? Are there certain industries that you guys don't work with or is anything like that? I think in general, we are open to all type of startups. And uh, after first uh, assessment, the uh, company will get an investment grade. And uh, here we, of course, do also have a certain commitment to our investors to only onboard companies of a certain quality. Uh, so this investment grade ranks from uh, D to AAA and we only onboard companies that have, re uh, have received at least a rating of uh, B. So here uh, we decline some, some companies also. It's mainly companies who are in the too early stage or who uh, do not have uh, yeah, a great team, uh, a profitable market and so on. Uh, but with sectors, uh, we do not have any limitations. I mean, this you can see then at the later stage after performing a first matchmaking. I mean, if it's a sector or, or industry where we do not have any investors, uh, of course, we cannot support this company. But apart from that, there are no real restrictions with regards to sectors. Of course, the hot sectors, uh, everything around digitalization, 
uh, yeah, uh, AI, Internet of Things, uh, software as a service, business models uh, is very interesting, but also digital health solutions, digital media, agri-tech, uh, also the green tech sector receives a, a lot of intention uh, nowadays and uh, solutions in this area uh, are very uh, much uh, looked for by investors. But yeah, we do not have real restrictions. Okay, well, it's good to know. Uh, let's move on to the other side of your marketplace then, the investor side, which you've already started talking about. Um, how are the problems that investors face different from those of the founders? Um, is, it, does Greca serve simply as an extension of the deal flow pipeline that they already have in place? I think so. I mean, through Greca, they can, of course, uh, extend uh, the deal flow, uh, but it's also uh, about a highly qualified deal flow because uh, especially uh, VCs, they get uh, many pitches every day, many uh, not really fitting the investment policy. And through Greca, it's really ensured that they only receive pitches uh, in an area uh, where they uh, have their investment sweet spot. Uh, this means they're not overloaded with thousands of pitch decks and uh, especially uh, the institutional investors, they often do have yeah, very strict investment criteria. And here uh, we use different criteria in the uh, matchmaking algorithm and this helps a lot to filter the projects for them and only forward them opportunities that really suit them uh, and increase, of course, also uh, the chances for startups to be successful with fundraising. Great. And uh, let's dig into the matching system a little bit. Um, it seems very quantitative from the way that you described it. And I guess that's a positive thing when we think about the sort of subjective boys club investing uh, mm -hmm. environment, I guess you would say. Um, but is that an accurate assessment? And do, do, are investors very open to that very quantitative approach? Yeah, I think this also depends on the investors' types. Uh, as I just said, institutional investors often do have to follow a strict policy. So through this strict policy, you can already filter uh, some companies. And uh, here, Greca helps a lot. But on the other hand, uh, we also do have many business angels, many high net worth individuals in the platform, or let's call them uh, kind of uh, boutique VCs, meaning smaller venture capital firms. Uh, they do not have the capacity to really filter uh, business cases and to assess uh, too many business cases. Uh, so here also this quantitative uh, approach helps a lot, but for them it's of course also to a certain uh, extent an uh, emotional decision. And uh, at the later stage, uh, it's also about uh, meeting the people and uh, convincing them uh, yeah, on a more personal side of the business case. Uh, but I think for a uh, first approach, uh, this quantitative uh, system really works very well. Uh, of course, it cannot completely uh, replace uh, a more network-based, a more subjective uh, approach or deal flow for investors. All right, let's dig into that a little bit because uh, I had a question about that. So it seems like, as you said, uh, finding the 
right match or the right long list of investors is only step one. So how, do, how does a founder move from that list to actually meeting the investors and finding the right final match and finding the actual uh, money that they need at that stage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the first step, uh, it's just about sharing the information with the investors and uh, yeah, getting them interested, uh, sharing highlights sheet uh, to summarize the whole uh, investment opportunity to make them interested into the pitch deck, to look into the pitch deck. And uh, then in the second step, uh, they can uh, organize a first video meeting. Uh, after a video meeting, uh, we should know relatively quickly uh, if they want to look deeper into this, if this uh, is really a fit for them, if they are convinced of the team. And uh, after first meeting, they then typically ask further questions. They ask uh, for further information, for financials, for uh, a product uh, demonstration or uh, yeah uh, for for a real yeah demo let's let, let's put it this way and after this is done uh, it's also uh, about uh, the internal decision making process at the investors and uh, here for the bigger VCs it requires also a lot of internal convincing work and uh, then we can organize further meetings we can organize uh, personal meetings and we should get a uh, first pre-due diligence then to a term sheet and uh, with the term sheet timeline is then usually very straight uh, so the timeline is set in the term sheet for the next steps and uh, then it's all about the real due diligence and uh, about getting this over the line uh, but it's always important for startups to meet enough investors. So if they have maybe two investors interested, uh, I think it's not uh, a high chance that this will succeed. Uh, they always need enough options. And at the end, it's also a numbers game. I think with Greca, we can reduce these numbers to a certain extent because of the matchmaking and uh, because we really introduce them to the, to the right investors. Uh, but it's still about numbers. I mean, uh, Many things can go wrong uh, during this process, and it's not easy to find the perfect fit at the end of the process. Um, yeah, and I guess I'd like to ask a little bit about uh, underrepresented founders is a hot topic. Um, it seems like still a very small percentage of VC money goes to you know, startups founded by women, startup founded, startups founded by people of color. Uh, does this quantitative approach sort of take those factors out of the equation in some ways? Or how do you see that? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can uh, also include this. Uh, we do have this in the, in the verticals of the investors' profiles. We do have, for instance, Femtech Solutions or uh, female CEOs uh, also within uh, our investment criteria. And... Uh, yeah, nowadays, really, some funds uh, look exactly for uh, a certain amount of investments also into female CEOs or into, uh, yeah, other impact investments. It's good to hear. Um, sticking with the investors just for a little bit more, uh, are there any specific uh, types of investors, stage, market, location, uh, or funds that Greca is looking to include in their network or is it pretty open to all now that you guys are uh, mm. pretty global at this point? 
Yeah, I think also on the investor side, there are no real uh, restrictions. I mean, uh, every investor we onboard to the platform is kind of uh, added value for the network. Mm-hmm. And uh, our sweet spot geographically is, of course, the US and uh, Europe, uh, mainly Europe. But uh, since Inspiralia also has offices in the US and the US has quite a big investment scene, the American market is also quite interesting for us. Uh, so around 95% of the investors in Greca are from Europe and uh, the US. And uh, as for the sectors, as mentioned before, I mean, most startups uh, interested in Greca are really raising uh, bigger rounds, uh, but we can also do seed and pre-seed rounds. Uh, but it depends on the, on, the, on the business sector. For investors, there are no real uh, restrictions in this, in this regard. All right, uh, let's move, I guess, towards the actual mechanics of fundraising now for a little bit, because it seems to me like the methods for fundraising have expanded uh, quite a bit over the last few years. We had uh, already two crypto booms. Um, There's more opportunities to crowdfund sort of directly from retail investors, at least in the US. Maybe you could speak to that happening in Europe. Um, Rolling funds are also opening up more to retail investors. What's your take on this and how are you guys sort of adapting to these new options that founders have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really think there are many new instruments, many new financing instruments, but I think this whole market grew a lot uh, in the the last years, this whole startup environment also uh, in Europe. Uh, If you take a look at the venture capital at the private uh, equity market, I think it reached an all-time high in uh, 2021. Now we have a little decrease uh, due to uh, some conflicts all over the world. But uh, yeah, uh, I think this market is still a growing market for the long term. And uh, therefore, there is also room for different uh, instruments uh, to use them complementary or uh, different phases. I think crowd investing, crowdfunding uh, is quite the thing uh, at the earlier stage uh, to get uh, money in. And also in the real estate sector, uh, it's a very popular tool. Uh, but then you have yeah, crypto instruments who are still quite new in the market. I mean, uh, we had some startups in the past who did uh, security token offerings. And uh, I think it's still too early to make a final assessment on this. Uh, and there's for sure enough space in this market also for the, for the traditional VCs, for the traditional uh, investment cycle to further grow in the next years. So I think you can use this tool set more yeah, complementary, mm-hmm. but there's not the go-to tool uh, in, in, in fundraising. Right, right. Um, do you have any, I guess, I'm always interested in these new options for retail investors, um, just because I had the chance to work with a crypto startup in 2017, um, and it was a very interesting experience for me. But I guess, do you have any advice for people who you know, might have some money saved up, they might be thinking about pulling it out of a traditional index fund or something more stable and saying, oh, now I can invest in a startup. Uh, do, do you have any general advice for people like that? It seems risky to me. That's my yeah, advice. This, 
this year is for sure risky, but I mean, yeah, also if you take the VCs, I mean, uh, the way how they work is that they make bets. I mean, uh, they invest in several uh, startups, but only uh, one or two of 10 will then really succeed and uh, get them back the earnings. And uh, therefore this business is of course very risky for individuals to do this type of investments. Uh, and uh, it takes a lot of time to do uh, a proper due diligence. So I would not advise to spend uh, money on two risky businesses in the early stage, especially if it's not a big uh, amount of money, because it's not worth to do all the due diligence. And also this information cost is too high, if you, if you know what I mean. For sure. And also, yeah, the current climate is kind of difficult and we have to see how this will uh, develop over the next months about uh, or the, the next years. Yeah, let's talk about the current uh, market, I guess, for a little bit. Uh, people are talking about calling it venture winter, uh, whatever you said, it was a small downturn, I think. Um, what, what's your take on the current climate? You said there's still money around. Would you like to add anything else to that? Yeah. Uh, I think there was a small decrease in the number of investments, uh, especially in Europe in the first half of the year. And uh, I fear there will be a bigger decrease in the, in the second half of the year because it will take uh, its time uh, for uh, this effects to also uh, uh, affect then at the end uh, the startups because uh, it will become more difficult for the funds to raise their own money. I mean, now they still do have money. They have uh, open funds, but if they have to raise new funds, uh, I think it will be difficult, especially for the smaller funds. Uh, they have to uh, get enough investments to uh, continue their operations. And uh, with upgoing interest rates, all over the world, uh, I think it will not be that easy to get in this money anymore. Uh, therefore, I expect that this decrease will continue at least for the next yeah, six to 12 months. And then we have to reassess uh, the whole market. Uh, I would not call it a venture winter. Uh, I think good companies will always get uh, investments, but it's in case uh, yeah, effect that many uh, investors pulled out of deals of deals that were too risky for them, uh, of deals uh, yeah, where the companies had no stable cash flow yet, where the companies uh, uh, still had negative results. And uh, this is also something uh, yeah, many startups are facing now, uh, but especially uh, the good companies and the companies that are backed uh, by the bigger funds, I think they will continue with their investments. And uh, yeah, good companies will always get money uh, that's my opinion on this. All right. Um, do you think that, that there was a sort of bubble, though? Because um, you, I, I look at like the 10 minute grocery delivery, um, things like that, that seemed like, man, it's nice to get my groceries in 10 minutes, but it doesn't seem like that's a, a billion dollar idea at mm -hmm. least from the outside. So do you think there were some industries that got sort of overhyped in the last couple of years? For sure. I mean, this especially ha uh, happened with the valuations in some sectors. Uh, there were hyped sectors like cybersecurity, uh, also, yeah, different uh, delivery organizations popped up uh, everywhere uh, around the world. 
and uh, there were for sure sectors that were uh, over-evaluated at least uh, and uh, yeah they could not deliver in the end often also the results and uh, this is a big pain point also for the investors uh, to to face uh, this, this problems of, of, of too high valuations and of not achieving the results at the later stage uh, and yeah, they are more careful now also in follow-up investments. If a company has not uh, reached uh, the desired results, they will also think twice uh, if it's really worth it uh, to rescue the company or yeah, uh, if it's just another uh, delivery hero yeah. or another delivery company, let's call it that. Right, and you mentioned earlier that you guys do a pretty thorough uh, assessment of the startup with this five different stages, five different areas. Um, is that something that, I don't know, maybe would have caught some of these outliers or was it just that the investment interest was so strong that uh, it didn't really matter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's difficult to uh, give a general answer on this. I mean, of course, this assessment helps to uh, assess good or bad projects. But I mean, also a good project uh, can fail at the later stage. Uh, so it's often good people involved in this in this business, but not the right timing. I mean, there's always uh, a bit of luck needed uh, to succeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this assessment does not go too much into deep to really uh, filter uh, these cases who received bigger investments uh from 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 bad cases so i think here greca is not a big help yeah okay i that was kind of out of left field and it seems mm -hmm. like it's a little <laughs> bit outside the scope of what what greco maybe was designed for all right so are there any other parts of greca or the european startup landscape right now that i didn't ask you about that you would really like to mention Whew. I think we, we, we covered the most important things. And uh, if you do not have any more uh, questions, uh, nothing to add from my side. Great. Yeah, we covered a lot. And thank you for bringing your expertise and your experience to the show. I just wanted to give you a quick chance uh, where, if we have some European startup founders that might catch this episode, are there events that you guys are going to be at upcoming in Europe in the next couple months? Yes, for sure. I mean, we have quite tight uh, event schedule uh, after the summer months. It will pick up again and we will be at Tech Barbecue in Denmark, in Copenhagen. Uh, I think it's the second week of September, 14th, 15th September. And uh, at the end of September, we will be then also in Munich uh, at Bits and Brezels. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say it's the biggest startup event in the German speaking region, at least. And yeah, I really look forward to it, to meet again uh, many interesting uh, companies. And uh, we do have then also for uh, fall, for, for winter this year, uh, some further events on our schedule. Uh, we will probably uh, go to Slush again in uh, Helsinki, mm -hmm. which uh, we also visited last year and which was yeah, quite a big success. And uh, yeah, maybe also other events, uh, but this is not uh, agreed yet. 
All right. Well, if anybody listens and wants to meet up with you, can they reach out on LinkedIn and make a connection? For sure, they can reach out via LinkedIn or they can also visit our homepage. They can visit greka.eu and uh, can uh, access the platform to see uh, more about our tool set. As mentioned before, there are also many premium tools. So tools that you can use uh, free of charge, such as the assessment reports, first matchmakings, one pages, and so on. And yeah, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and have fun at those events. I think the one that I would love to go to would have to be the one in Munich at the end of September, because I think that's a good time to be in Germany, right? So at the same time as Oktoberfest. Exactly. Yeah. There's even uh, entry included to some of the tents in Oktoberfest. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah, this is really a great opportunity. Perfect mix of uh, business and pleasure there. All right, well, have fun, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, too. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.